This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Three minutes after 12 is the time, and this is it, your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction not ordinarily available anywhere else on your radio dial. The way it works is this. You have a little mystery currently marauding or meandering around the back of your brain. A who, a why, a what, a where, a when, a whither, or perhaps a wherefore. And you want satisfaction. You want an answer. You know there will be an answer out there, but because, like me, you somehow regret the tyranny of the search engine and look back fondly upon the days when you had to know stuff in order to say stuff and sound clever. Uh, somebody else listening to the programme will have the knowledge that you seek. So you ring in and ask the question, and they will ring in and answer it. The only rule is you're not allowed to look stuff up. It's a celebration of education, elucidation, illumination. And the other rule is you're not allowed to be dull. But that's very much in the eye of the beholder. Not unlike the conversation that we had during the last hour. And you will permit me to, to say the last word on the conversation that we had during the last hour. There are real, this is from a tweeter called Legal Claret, who's very strong on legal matters, as you'd expect. Presumably very strong Claret as well, but I, I haven't had much experience of that. So Legal Claret has tweeted, there are only two possibilities here. Danny Baker deliberately posted a racist image comparing a baby to a monkey, or he posted an image without realising the connotations. While naive and stupid, I am happy to believe the latter. And that is my position in a nutshell. Coupled with my conviction that the BBC had no choice but to dismiss him. A conviction with which Danny Baker agreed on this programme a few minutes ago, albeit with a very aggrieved um, attitude to the manner and the tone in which they chose to do so. Something which I suspect anybody who's ever um, felt undervalued or, or, or unappreciated by their employers, even at the end of a period of employment, can probably sympathise with or or understand. Five minutes after 12 is a time. Um, mystery hour. So we just wade straight in? I think everyone knows what it is, how it works. Adam is in Nottingham. Adam, question or answer? Uh, question, please, James. Carry on. Uh, um, you know when you have sort of a earphone and uh, wires? No, mate. I'm all about Bose wireless... <laughs> Sound some oh. things. Well, that's how, that's how, right. I'm a metropolitan that's liberal elite, mate. I've got I've got noise cancelling oh. headphones to drown oh, out the sorry, peasants. Sir. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm just a middle <laughs> without. Uh, Carry on. I've got plenty of earphones. I'm okay. yanking your chain. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, if you get the wires, uh, they seem to sort of go into knots. Yes, um, by more, more so than other wires. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just wondering, there's, a, there's probably two options. One, there's some sort of, you know, fairy or elves who basically tie it in knots. But otherwise, there's a, is there some sort of uh, scientific explanation Physics, for that? It? Um, are you sure this is true? Because if you put, it's just the nature of the of our relationship with our earphones, perhaps that, that that exposes us to high levels of tangle. You can't think of anything else that's wired that you carry around quite as regularly as an earphone. If you've got a, 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 a what do you call it, a gubbins drawer at home like I have, then all the wires in there end up tangled together as well. And that will be PlayStation controllers and things to plug the computer into the hard drive and then mysterious wires that you've got no idea what they do, but you, you won't obey your wife's instructions to throw them out because you're certain that one day they'll come in useful when you're trying to fix right. something enormous like a space rocket. I mean, all of these wires end up tangled together and knotted together. Yeah, no, no. It, this was this was actually by itself on a table all right. uh, about, about, about 20 minutes this morning. It got, got went into a knot. Okay. So, All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll see what I can do. I, I, you may be disappointed, but that is the nature of human existence. Mitchell is in Beijing in China. I don't know why I added in China. I don't know that there is more than one Beijing 
in common parlance. Uh, question or answer, Mitchell? It's a question, please, James. Listen to that phone line. All the way from China. Sometimes I struggle to raise a decent phone line to Basingstoke, and here you are in Beijing, sounding like you're in the next room. What's it going to okay. be, Mitchell? Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Uh, so once a week we have an English con at our university here, and I'm out teaching English in China. So um, we got talking about languages and official languages and recognised languages. So I will put my question to you: Is which country has the most official languages? Ooh, Ooh. I, I, I like that question. The most, I mean, you got, I, off the top of my head, you'd be looking at something like Switzerland or, or possibly the former Yugoslavia, but that wouldn't work well, anymore. But then I don't I know. Think... I don't know about the part of the world where you are. So India, I, Southeast Asia, China, China. I don't. Yeah, know. because we were talking. Um, we were talking about languages in China. You have Cantonese in the south of China, Tibet, Xinjiang province. They have their own languages. And there's Mandarin as well. Um, and I was thinking. Yeah. Mid- yeah, and I was thinking maybe there's maybe there's somewhere else in Europe or in South America maybe where they they have more official languages. Um, I love it. And another question to ask you as well is, James, well, no. have you been thinking about any, learning any other languages? You told you mentioned that you did speak a bit of Greek. I was wondering if you were. Well, it's not mystery. You're going to have to come to one of my live events, although you'll struggle to get to the next one from all the way from China in time. You can't you can't just come on and ask me questions about my personal business. <laughs> I, I'm 47 years old. Well, Mandarin might be bite. I'm going to wait and see what the kids develop an enthusiasm for as they're just approaching that age now. And then it's funny that you ask. I, I, I am hoping to join in, uh, A, so that I can expand my own linguistic horizons and B, so that I can help them. Before you go, is that is that a slight... What, what, what am I hearing accent-wise? Middlesbrough? Oh, bang on the money, yes. Not Linthorpe? No, no, not Linthorpe, but unfortunately. Just but, that um, neck of the woods. So I, what I'm intrigued by, and you'll probably I, know that the question that's coming, are there now lots of people in Beijing, lots of Chinese people in Beijing, speaking English with a Middlesbrough twang? Definitely, and you've got your own appreciation society at our university, believe oh, it or not. Of course I believe it. I'm incredibly flattered. Thank you. I, I, I love that idea. I love accents, as you know, but of course... You get taught English by someone with a lovely accent, with a with a regional accent. You're probably going to be repeating the words back with a similar accent, and then some Chinese person will turn up in in America or or, or England somewhere. And how the hell did you end up with a Middlesbrough accent? There's an urban myth about the uh, Indian and Pakistani accents and Welsh missionaries. If you, it's why if you try and do a Welsh accent, it'll turn into a Pakistani accent fairly quickly. But I, I, I don't think it's true. I don't think the historical reason given for it holds holds water. Mitchell, what a lovely question. Which country has the most official languages? And um, why does... Do, 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 are earphone wires uniquely tangly? Marty's in Belfast. Marty, question or answer? James, good afternoon. Question. If you're in uh, a garden centre and you buy bags of fertiliser or topsoil. Yes. They're, me- they're measured in litres, not kilograms, when litres is usually the unit measured for liquids. I would like to know why. Oh, I know this. Just bear with me a minute. I'll see if I can... Tra- it... Isn't it? Isn't it to do with moisture content? I have absolutely no idea. So, so, so a, wet, a wet bag of log chippings is going to weigh a lot more than a dry bag of log log chippings. But if you're being charged for the quantity of log chippings that were put in the bag at source, they're going to do it by volume rather than by weight. Will you accept that answer? 
you never get tired of being smart. Well, I don't know that I have been smart on that. I mean, no is the short no is the short answer to that question. But but is that does that make sense? I'm not. Does that hold water? Oh, I'm not oh, taking a round sweet. of applause. I'm not taking a round of applause for that because I'm not. I can't go definitive. It's just I, I think is not an answer. But that makes sense, doesn't it, on some level or not? Sounds plausible. I'll give you that. Much, uh, well, plausible. I'm, I'm plausible not does taking. not. No, I mean I'm with you. I'm with you, Marty. Plausible does not a round of applause. Make. A few of you are suggesting that given that um, we spoke to Danny Baker on a phone-in in a phone in about Danny Baker, we should have given him a Ray Liotta. I think in the circumstances that would have been hugely inappropriate and insensitive, and I'm sure on reflection you'll agree. Thank you, Marty. Paul is in Chiswick. Paul, question or answer? Uh, it's a question, James. Carry and uh, Kelly, Kelly Mayer, by the way. Carry still, Paul well, my, my Greek's slightly worse than my Welsh, which is slightly worse than my English, so <laughs> shall we just pull the plug on that one? We'll stay in English. What's your question? <laughs> cool. OK, um, I wouldn't say it's the most cerebral question you've ever had, but it's probably in the top one. Go on. Um, you know, toilet rolls and kitchen rolls, uh, the cardboard bit in the middle of them has like a spiralling down the middle. Yes. What is that about? It's cut on the bias, as you might say. Uh, well, you might say that, and I'd agree. But why? Is it, is it to improve the accuracy of when you do a... No, no, I don't think it is. Yeah, I, no, I imagine it's because it's the easiest way to roll up the cardboard in the massive things that then get chopped up into, into little bits. But you mean, why isn't it a straight line, like on, um, like on the toilet roll itself? Exactly. Yeah. yeah okay. No, I like that question. And, and, and it would. Got to be a reason. What is it? Yeah, and I think it will be linked to the the makeup of the enormous rolls from which the little rolls are cut. But why, on a toilet roll, why is the cardboard bit sliced diagonally when your actual bog roll is sliced horizontally? There we go. We've got the technical terms in and everything. Brian is in Ealing. Brian, question or answer? Uh, good morning, James. Hello. It's a question for you. Carry on. If referring to direction, say, a motorist... What is meant when someone responds by saying, well, as the crow flies, it's about 25 miles? You as just the... want to know what it means, not where, not where the phrase comes from? Yes, sir. Yes. OK, well, that's easy. It's, it's point to point. So if you wanted to, where are you now? In Ealing. So if you wanted to get to, for, mm -hmm. for example, uh, yes, Turnham Green, you'd have to, uh, what, what would you be doing? A bit of the A4, you'd have probably come through Brentford or no, you'd go down that road or Gunnersbury Avenue. Or where. As the crow well, flies... As the crow flies would just be the straight line from A to B without you without taking into account the actual roads and paths and trains and, and, and things that you'd have to go down. So Indeed, but what about the origin of no, no, the... No, 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 that's it. No, you can't come back with another one. Uh, but what about the origin of the saying, as the crow flies? Uh, but no, but I just specifically I'm said, are you, you asking what it means or are you asking about the origin? I presume crows have a reputation for not faffing about when they're in the sky, Brian. Don't interrupt, don't interrupt. I, I, what do you mean, don't interrupt? It's all I do. How dare you? You mustn't interrupt. Interrupting me while I'm interrupting this you. This is me, James, this your style of presentation. Shocking, isn't it? I, I know. Couldn't agree more. Was... Quarter past 12 is the time. Round of applause for me. <laughs> and now a commercial break. This is LBC.
This is LBC Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Call 0345 6060 973. 18 minutes after 12 is the time. It is. I sometimes like the idea of coming back from a break and just carrying on with Mystery Hour without explaining or acknowledging that this hour of radio is a little different from the other 14 hours of radio that we make together every week. We just come back from the break and go, why, why is fertiliser measured in litres and not in, in kilograms? And um, why are toilet rolls cut on a diagonal uh, as opposed to on the horizontal like your actual toilet roll itself? I've done the crow flies question. Mitchell's question all the way from Beijing. Why? Which country has the most official languages? That should be a pub quiz. Someone should know that. Remember, you're not allowed to look stuff up. And uh, is there anything particularly tangly, my word, about earphone wires, cables? Tony is in Ballam. Tony, question or answer? Uh, answer, mate, answer. Carry on, Tony. Um, it's just with regards to the literage for the volume of oh, the soil. Go on. Um, so when you're filling an item, it will be considered as volume. Um, rather than area, and whenever you purchase um, pots, they are measured in volume, so you'd get like a litre pots, like 150 litres, 70 litres, wherever they are, and in order to know how much you're going to need to fill those pots, they also do the soil in that same amount. Of course, so it's chicken and egg in a way. Exactly. Love it. Qualifications? Uh, I used to run a garden centre. Whereabouts? Uh, Streatham, lovely Streatham. As you do. Round of applause for Tony. (laughs) Hey! hey. That, not, not really otter territory. Lots of people run garden centres, but still, nice to get someone whose expertise is, is so complete. Scott's in Redhill. Scott, question or answer? James, answer. Carry on. Most official languages. Yes. It, it's my country, South Africa. Qualifications? We have 11 official languages and soon to be, hopefully, 12 actually, with sign language being official. Oh, how lovely. Legally. Yeah, quite right too. Um, how do you know that it is that it's true? Well, because I studied African politics and I studied African international relations. Um, and I, I, I I'm very... hearing, and I, I, I'm hearing it quite loudly that it's a different African country, not far from South Africa, but not South Africa. Um, no, that's not true, actually, because it, it's a legal status, isn't it? It, so it is, it's... but I, I'm hearing a Guinness World Record 16 languages, mate. Yeah, I, I hear what you're probably saying, probably it's Zimbabwe, but it's not. It's not legally recognised. It's recognised so, by Guinness, and we're talking about records. Well, in South Africa, I like this. It's having a battle. I'm not here to, to represent any other um, position, <laughs> but I would say Chewa Chibawe, English Kalanga, Koisan Nambia, Ndao, Ndabeli, Shangani, Shona, Sign Language, Soto, Tonga, Tswana, Venda, and Khoza. But the thing is, just off the I, top of my head, I disagree with that because. Most of those languages are spoken in South Africa. They're just not legally... Uh, if it's the Guinea, oh, you put, I, someone's going to get a free round of applause now because all they have to do is ring in and say Zimbabwe. It's in the Guinness Book of Records. I've given it all away. I can't give you this prize because it's in the Guinness what? Book of Why Records. Why not, though? Because the thing is... If it's, if it's, it's in the Guinness Book of Records! Well, they can be wrong, can't they? What did you say? <laughs> Come on, let's go. It is Zulu. Stay there, stay there. No, you can just... But there's only going to be 11. You've said it yourself. Stay there. Casper is in Poland. Don't go away, Scott. Casper, question or answer? Answer to the language question. Carry on, Casper. Yeah, there is a a very um, important distinction there. Uh, There are national languages recognised nationwide and local uh, official languages. And in India, there are 22, uh, dependent on the state, uh, obviously, and whereas in Zimbabwe, uh, as far as those nationwide, 
there are uh, tw- there are sixteen. Actually. Uh, uh, so, and that is official, you see, official national no, language. No, 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 that's not official. Ah, what is let's it? Be Come on, let's let's. I don't want to argue about semantics. But Who, have we gone back to Scott now? Sorry, no, no, mate, that's official. It's official, official. It doesn't get more. Hang on, wait there, Scott. Casper, what official are your official? Scott, 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 wind your neck in. Casper, what are your qualifications? I'm a linguist. Uh, where? In Poland, in Poznan. Uh, at the University of Poznan. Indeed. So you're you're a university linguist. Um, and a translator, but that. What rank really... are you? Well, what rank are you? Fund me. Well, what rank are you? Are you like a reader, a, a professor, a student? What are you? Uh, I, I'm doing my MA right now. He's doing a master's in languages, Scott. What have you got? Well, but, 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 hold on. But, but, but hold on. If you're going to do that, then which country speaks the most languages? Papua New Guinea. Official languages, approved <laughs> by Parliament. No, that's South Africa. It's not, mate. It's Zimbabwe. They've been at no. 16 official languages approved by Parliament. Full stop. Round of applause for Casper. Well, go on, then. I disagree. Well, you're entitled to. <laughs> Round of applause for Casper. Casper, <laughs> congratulations. Scott, don't be a sore loser. It's 23 minutes after 12. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. 16 languages. I obviously didn't get them off the top of my head. Quite a few people were sending me. And then there was Casper with his with his masters at Poznan University, sweeping up that round of applause with a sort of a bit of beauty and poise. So we've done the fertilisers, we've done the official languages. We need to do toilet rolls and wires, which means there's plenty of room for more questions. Oh, Chrissy's in Edmonton. Chrissy, question or answer? Hi, James. Hello. It's a question, please. Carry on. Okay, so I want to know what word in the English dictionary has the most meaning. Like words with multiple meanings. I think they're called uh, homonyms or homonyms. 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 Have yeah. you got Have you got children at primary school, Chrissy? No, I'm a twenty-year-old. Oh. You're a what? Old. I'm a twenty-three-year-old. I don't have any kids yet. All right. So I was only asking because we get. I mean, this is one of the things when if you do have children and you help them with their homework and you encounter things that you didn't do when you were at school, homonyms is one of them. I didn't know what a homonym... Why do they need to even study homonyms? It's a word that has is spelt and sounds exactly the same in two completely different meanings. And you're wondering, what's the maximum number of meanings you can get from the same word? Can you think yeah, of a homonym quickly? Go on. I can think of a few, like duck and duck, pen and pen. Yeah. Um, you don't have to pen, say it twice. Bear. You don't have to say it twice. <laughs> That's kind of the point, Chrissy. Well, sorry. Duck, du- duck and duck. What do you mean, duck and duck? Oh, duck and duck. Duck. duck, yeah. Duck's got three. That's it? Yeah. Cricket. Oh, and cricket. Did someone in the background just say cricket? Yeah, my colleague. That's outrageous. I didn't realise I was speaking to two people at the same time. Okay. You're actually talking to three. Three people. Well, there you go. Three people, three meanings of duck. So duck's in the lead at the moment because you've got quack, quack, you've got cricket, and you've also got duck! Oh, yeah, okay, so three, so we're winning with three. We'll see if anyone can beat three. So you, you might have answered your own question, which would be a first on Mystery Hour, but we shall see. <laughs> what are your colleagues Thank called? You. What are your colleagues called? Um, John and Ramel. All right, well, give them my best. Uh, and, uh, I will, seriously. Thank you. Great. Yeah. T- t- hi, Ramel. Thank you. 25 minutes after 12 is the time. Matt is in Bedfordshire. Matt, question or answer? Uh, question, please. Carry on. So you have a dozen, which is 12, hmm. a baker's dozen, which is 13. Yeah. If you have a mile, and is a country mile a different measurement to a normal mile? Say he won by a country mile, for yeah. example. 
I think it's similar. I do know. I think this might. I think this might be a, a, a companion piece to the question about as the crow flies. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's something I've thought about as well before. Because I think a country mile would be the opposite of the crow flies mile. So a country mile would actually be more than a mile. Roads, okay. But you're going around all the rambling country roads, isn't it? So it's a country okay. mile. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know if we can go definitive on that because I, I mean I just. Sort of I, mean, I, I do like your answer. I like it as well, but that's not good enough, is it, Matt? No. no. <laughs> All right, I'll put it on the board. How long is a country? Thank you very much. I don't know. You're very welcome. It's a lovely question. But if it is a companion piece to Brian and Ealing's question, before it all went a bit weird, to Brian and Ealing's question about um, thingamajigs as the crow flies, that'd be a lovely little bit of serendipity on, on mystery. And here's another bit. Scott's been back in touch. South African Scott, you'll remember. I'm going to admit, um, he says, he writes in, in what is in many ways the spirit of this programme, although it rarely infiltrates mystery. Our Scott's been back in touch to say, I'm going to do what many people cannot do. No echo chambers or searching for confirmation bias. I admit it. I am wrong. Well done, Casper. Scott, if everyone could do that, then, well, there'd be no Brexit for a start. Give him a round of applause. There you go. See? Hey, good, good guys win. Kerry's in Erith. Kerry, question or answer? I've got an answer for you. Carry on, Kerry. Okay, so uh, the toilet roll cardboard tube question. Um, I started life in a cardboard tube factory working, so I know exactly how tubes are made. Um, they can be made two ways. They can be spirally wound or they can be lap wound. Yes. Uh, lap wound is when you, say, for example, take a sheet of A4 paper and roll it up. That's how you lap wind the tube. Um, but the more common way of toilet rolls and postal tubes and that sort of thing is spiral wind them. So you take big reels of paper, you have a spinning metal mandrel, you put the paper around the mandrel that spins, you add glue to it, and as it makes its way along the, uh, the mandrel, you get that spiral effect. It comes off the other end and you chop them up and that's how you get a, a spiral wound tube. Uh, and and it, you, it's easier with a spiral. You're gonna, It's, it's going to be easier to roll and it's going to have a better structural strength i imagine uh yeah i mean as i say the uh the lap wound tubes are i love it I, can i just say i love the confidence and the expertise with which you're discussing <laughs> this it's, it's a joy to build it's like it's like listening to danny david attenborough talk about wildlife or fred dibner talk oh, about steeples you are an expert so we, in we, your we, field we can do tubes boxes uh, <laughs> tape, whatever you like i've been in packaging 24 it's a years celebration so. of expertise kerry and Yay. you're covering yourself in glory so so that is that that is the bottom line it it, it, it Qualifications? Work in a cardboard uh, plant. Worked in a, well, I work in packaging, but I spent three years selling cardboard tubes. Three years selling cardboard tubes. What's the biggest cardboard tube you ever sold? Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> they, they always said, how big can you make a cardboard tube? And, it, and the answer was always as big as you can put on a lorry. So oh, 40 big. foot would have to be the longest. Shut yeah, the can... front door. A 40 foot oh. cardboard tube? What would you have on that? Lino or stuff like that? Carpet or something? <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. And people use them in film sets and all sorts of things. Love it. A round of applause for Kerry. Thank you. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. 12.29 is the time. Questions still in need of answers. Not many, actually. We'll get a bunch more up after the news headlines. Um, just the wire one and, and the country mile. How long is a country mile? And, oh, no, and which homonym? Duck. I've got another one. We forgot about Nottinghamshire. Hey, up me, duck. They say it. So, duck is a term of endearment, a synonym for zero runs in crit cricket, an aquatic mammal, and... A verb which describes taking evasive action. Is there another English word with more meanings than duck? It's half past 12 
And Lisa Aziz is here with the headlines. Mystery Hour on LBC with James O'Brien. 12.35 is the time. Mystery Hour continues. Country Mile, uh, Tangly Headphones and Homonyms. Homonyms with a ha. Homo. Homonyms. I think it... Is it Greek for same? Anyway, doesn't matter. William is in Burryport in Wales. William, question or answer? Uh, I, I believe I have an answer, James. Bring it on, William. Uh, homonyms, um, I believe the word set, S-E-T, has 17 meanings. How many? 17. Seriously? Yeah, well, if you think set, concrete, set, tennis, if you go in the dictionary, it should be there. Stick a couple of T's on it, you've got a badger's house, haven't you? Still a homonym, it doesn't have to be spelled. Does it have to be spelled the same or does it just have to sound the same? Oh, that's out of my remit. Right. <laughs> I've just got S-E-T, 17 uh, words, set, uh, meanings. Set. Set. There's loads of sets. Yeah. Set and that. Yeah. Qualifications. Um, I like dictionaries, and I love language. Um, and where and did that, you have that, this nugget filed away? That uh, I think when I was about nine years old, I learned that one, and it's been sitting there for about thirty years. So, when I heard this question on your show, I just bolted up like the Mancurian candidate, and that was it. Time to shine. Love it. No, I, I think you've nailed it. Okay, a lot of people are saying set. Some people are suggesting it might be even more than 17, but that doesn't matter, does it? If the answer is set, the answer is set. I set the rules. I think, yeah. I, yeah. I set the rules. Yeah, I think what's significant I, I set, is that this... this yeah. I set the rules. Yep. Yeah, I set the rules, William. Set. Okay. All right. Oh, dear. Are you set for your round of applause? No, well done. Oh, don't ask me to name them. <laughs> <laughs> set, 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 set. Round of applause for William, please. A nice set of applause. Thank you very much. Well played. Christopher's in Stanford Hill. Question or answer, Christopher? Question. Carry on. So, my mother has glasses, and she recently said that I need to go to the optician to get my glasses changed because they're giving me a headache. Hmm. But I didn't understand how you can get a headache from glasses when your eyes hurt, not yet. Like, not get a headache. Well, I mean, it's her head. It's the muscles in her head connected to her eyes that are hurting, isn't it? Isn't your whole face connected? Like, why would you get a headache just because you got the wrong prescription? Because your eyes are working too hard. Same reason that you get a leg ache if you go for a long run. Oh, I see. Yeah? Does that make sense? Does that... I mean, unless I've misunderstood the question, I think the answer is quite straightforward. Sounds right. Yeah, you'll be straining until because your eyes are straining. So it, it, you, you, then, when you've got the right prescription, you don't strain. So your eyes don't hurt. Hmm. Hmm. I, I tell you what, I'll do, Christopher, because I'm feeling very generous today. Let's share the round of applause, shall we? Okay. okay. Thank you. Yeah. Could, well done for containing your excitement. Chris is in Ealing. A question or answer, Chris? Good afternoon there, James. I've got a question, please. Bring it on! Okay, the question is, 
what's the minimum amount of people and instruments you can have to still be called an orchestra? What a lovely question. What absolutely lovely question. Brilliant. Is, is it one up from a quintet? Is that a sextet? Is that, is it, or is it, do you have to, if you have 40 trumpets, is that an orchestra, a trumpet orchestra with no drums? Do well, you that's need... what I mean. Do you have to have a set amount of it's instruments? It's a beautiful question. It's a beautiful, beautiful question. Thank you very much, James. You're I'm very welcome. I don't know if we'll get an answer to it. It might turn out that there is no set definition, set, set definition okay. of uh, of an orchestra, but equally the... Um, Someone may know. Because you talk about the ukulele orchestra of Great Britain. I think I saw them play once. And, and that was okay. all, all ukuleles and possibly a kettle drum or two. Brilliant. Carry on. I like it. What's the definition of an orchestra is what he's really asking in the context of the quantity of instruments and or performers. Will is in Brighton. Question or answer, Will? It's an answer, James. Come on, then. So it's to do with the cable question with your headphones. Really? Yeah. Good man. It's basically down to when people get their headphones, they just shove them in their pocket yeah. or they'll fold them up and put them down. Yeah. And then when they pick them up again, they'll pick them up from the wrong end so it's sort of knocked or get entangled. If you speak to your audio engineers, when they get a cable, they have a set method they always coil it in. You mean here, to speak so to the audio they... engineers here? Yeah, or no, any I of them. I can't do that. So uh, I know, no. I get that. Yeah. They're strange people. So they have a set way they always do it, so then when they have to untie it or use it again, it won't not, it'll just come out flat. Is that true? That's it, that's all it is. Hang, hang on a minute, stay there, Will. Okay. Keith, Keith, Keith are you an audio engineer? No. What, what's, what, who, is, who in the building is an audio engineer? Who? Yeah. Alex Jones? Okay. And, and we think this is true. Will, qualifications? I'm a musician. Round of applause. Thank you. I'm also from Kidderminster. Shut the front door. Which bit? Yeah. Uh, I sort of uh, Combleton Estate area, Homecroft Road. At the top of the hill? Uh, bottom of the hill, just near the bottom. Bottom of Combleton Hill? Not co- no, so it's sort of near Combleton Estate. Home oh, Congleton. Congo- I thought... Not, not Congleton. What no. then? Combleton? I'm, so- Combleton? I'm near King Charles School. Oh, well, okay, so do you know who went there? Yeah. So that's near Hercott Road then, King Charles School, near Land Oak. Sort of, yeah. Up there. Yeah, you know who went of. to King Charles School? No. Deputy leader of the Labour Party, Tom Watson. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. yeah probably the most famous old boy. He grew up on Hercott Road, so did I. There you go, kid of Mr. Oh. Matt. How did you end up in Brighton then? Moved there for university about 12 years ago. Never left. And that's it. Did you get back much? Sorry? Did you get back much? Still, home. still got uh, family there? Yeah, my parents still there, sister's still there. No. I'm glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad we had this catch-up. It's always good. Round of applause for Will. Thank you. Kidderminster alumnus. 12.41 is the time. Sean is in Maidenhead. Sean, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on, Sean. Uh, the answer to the orchestra question oh, is... really? There isn't really an answer to ah. it. It depends. Um, basically, you can, you can have as few as four or five, really. They are different names for different types of orchestras. So you get symphoniettas, things like that, but it, but it, there isn't really a set number. So I, I, I could, answer, but it is the answer. You could, you could describe a one-man band as an orchestra, then, if, if you had like five. I, I different... think technically, no. I think it's got to be a group of musicians, but it can be as low as. I mean, in a, in the pit in a theatre, you might have four or five. Yeah, and they would still be an orchestra. Correct. Now, there are things like, as I say, there's something called a symphonietta. Yes. That's, I think, I think that's five cellos and five violins. 
but technically it would still be an orchestra, although it might be called a symphonietta. And there isn't any stipulation about the multiplicity nope. of instruments? Nope. Qualifications? Uh, my daughter plays in the NCO, uh, National Children's Orchestra, oh, and uh, she also goes to the Royal College of Music, and I asked this question last Saturday. That's genuinely, I love that. Um, what instrument does your daughter play in the National Children's Orchestra? Uh, violin. Nice. And if, if she had five <laughs> violinists, then it would be an orchestra. I, I think you can call it an orchestra if, if you want. So it's like, it's, 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 I think it's like an orchestra. It's a, you know, like a pride of lions is more than one lion. Yeah, got you. Oh, good point. Nice parallel. Round of applause for Sean. Great work. Nice one, James. Oh, nice one, Sean. Oh, 12.43. Shut up. Where's the day gone? Is that, is that really it? For good grief. Must have done something right today. I thought it was about 10 past 10. David's in bow. David, Hello, that is quite a good homonym, actually. Bow, 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 wouldn't bow, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah there'd yeah, be a few definitely. different things there. You've got your bow, and then you've got your bow, and your bow, and your bow. Question or answer, David? I'd like to set a question. Oh, very strong, <laughs> very strong. Yeah, he's yeah. Okay, what is the youngest age you can be a monarch of Great Britain? You just have to be alive. Literally? Literally. Prince, um, Prince William became... Or Prince Charles became next in line to the throne the second he was born. Right. So you might so, get a regent put in place. So you you might you might have a child on the throne. I suppose Edward would be the most recent example. Although I'm open to correction on that. And then you'd have like I don't know the Earl of Warwick or someone like that. Thomas Seymour running stuff until Edward came of age. But he would still be the king. If if I mean God forbid if anything were to happen to. Yeah. If anyone put the first six people in the line of succession yeah. overnight, then your man Archie would be king. Yeah. So, I mean, but he, well, obviously he wouldn't be able to do anything. No, I know he wouldn't, but that's not what yeah. you asked. No. I mean, so, to be fair, he, so he wouldn't be able to do much alive. if he was 40 either, except cut a few ribbons and, and, and think that the whole world okay, smells yeah. of fresh paint. But he oh, would be so the that, actual monarch. Right. Okay, then I'll have to come back next week with another question then. Why? <laughs> what a, a variation on this one? Yeah, because look, at what age? Yeah, I, I think I asked the wrong question. It I think you did ask the wrong question, but I tell you what, I admire your honesty because what you meant was, <laughs> at what age do you actually get to govern? Yes. But of course, historically, we're talking about yeah. an era in which the king was actually in charge of stuff. These days, it's essentially a ceremonial role, albeit that you're the, you know, the nominal head of state. So, I, I, the answer is I, there is no historical precedent. So, probably wouldn't make any difference. You'd still be king. You'd, you'd have well, your, your, your uncle or someone would do the state occasions and stuff like that until you were 16 or something, but there, there, there would be no rule in place. Yeah, so you just said 16 or something, so yeah. there, there could be an age. I know, if only you'd asked that question, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 12.45. Coming up at one on LBC, Sheila Fogarty. The military put themselves in harm's way, but when there's evidence that one of their number might have maliciously put civilians in harm's way, what should happen? Sheila Fogarty on LBC. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. This is LBC.
It is 12.49. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where we continue to unpick the mysteries of the moment. Specifically, have we done that one? Orchestra. We haven't done Country Mile, oddly. I thought that one would be quite straightforward. What is a Country Mile? Where does it get its name? I think we've answered it, but if you can go definitive with your Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable or whatever it is you've used to establish the origins of that phrase and, and, and indeed to confirm that it means more than a than a measured mile, more than a technical mile. I think we've done everything else. Is there anything else on the board? And Well, I might leave Monarch on the board if you want to expand upon what was, I think, fairly fertile ground, historically speaking, albeit that I've already awarded myself a round of applause for providing the answer. Neil's in Edinburgh. Question or answer, Neil? Hi, James. It's a question. Hello, mate. Hello. Uh, I've, I was reading a book the other day, and I realised when I was reading it that I can... Obviously, I'm reading the words in my own head. And I'm reading it in English, and I always wondered what would happen if you were deaf and you had never learned any language other than sort of sign language, say. So what is the inner monologue that gets played when do, you're Do you have an inner... Is it, is it an inner monologue? Are you, are you, are you, if you had never spoken, you would still... You could still be taught to read, could you? You could still... I, I, I believe so. I've always thought deaf people could learn to read, so I would have well, no, we know We know that deaf people can learn to read, but would you not st- just be sounding out in your head in the same way that people who can hear do? But could you read something and not sound it out in your head inside? I, I just, I don't tell you what my main problem with this question is, is I don't know who's going to be able to answer it. This is my problem with it, and I've been tempted to Google it, but I decided to phone you. No, well, we'll, well you've got ten minutes before you get before St. Google comes to the rescue. But if if anyone can answer this question, then I'd love to hear it. We, as hearing people, Neil and I, presume that the act of reading must somehow be different for deaf people because we're fairly certain that when we read, we have a sort of internal voice articulating the words that we're reading. If you've never yep. heard words being articulated, what could that internal voice be? Yep. Yeah, I like it. But as I say, it seems set the bar quite high on contributors. Uh, 12.51 is the time. Let's go to Eltham. John is there. John, question or answer? Oh, it's an answer, please, James. Carry on, John. To the uh, country mile question. Yes. Um, It isn't to do so much with the measurement of the length of a mile from Mm. place to place. Mm. It's more to do with the fact it was used as a kind of a term of resignation by people before macadamisation of roads was uh, normal because it took you so much longer to get from place to place in the country than it did in the city because the condition of the roads was so awful. So it just means a very long way then, ultimately. It means or, or a journey that takes a very long time, a country mile. It took such a long time to get from place to place. If you landed in a ship at Plymouth mm. in the 18th century and you wanted to get to London, the major means of communication was to get there by what they called the carrier's cart, oh, yes. which was a country means of transport, ah. and it took you three weeks. So it's a deceptively long distance. A deceptively long distance, okay. yes. And that works in all contexts, because quite often, as I'm sure you appreciate, John, whenever I'm playing cricket and I hoof the ball over cover, they announce that I've hit it a country mile. Yes, exactly. Great and work. And it's so difficult to actually find where the ball is. That's exactly it. Qualifications? Um, I read a lot. It's the best qualification of them all, John. Have a round of applause on me. Thank Ooh. you very much.
Thank you, John. Speaking of reading a lot, I have to make a, one of my sporadic recommendations. Uh, and this is a slightly different book recommendation from my usual, because it takes a bit of effort to, to get to the bit where it all starts singing. Uh, and I've forgotten the name of it. So this was a brilliant bit of award-winning radio. I've just recommended a book without telling you the title. No, a, a Gentleman in Moscow, I believe it's called, by Amor Lowles, uh, L-O-W-L-E-S. It's not a thriller, so I know I normally recommend page turners to you or, or non-fiction books that are of absolute paramount importance. But this is just a beautiful book, an absolutely beautiful book. And if you're looking for something that will really um, uh, grab you by the proverbials and, and, and once you get past page 100, 150, you're in, you, you, just, you know that the best books just create a universe that you can't wait to get back to. So you end up going to bed early or, or, or taking a tube with a longer route home so that you can read for a little bit longer in peace before the children start clambering all over you and demanding all your money and attention. No, sorry, just me. Anyway, it's an excellent book. Neil's in Wensbury in the Black Country. Uh, Neil, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer, kind, kind of. of. Kind um, of. It's a slight correction on something you said. And I'll be honest, I'm a little bit nervous because I've found this there a couple of times and you've annihilated me every time. What, a um, fellow midfielder? I, should, I can't believe I would do that. That's outrageous. I know you used to live in Kidderminster. Everyone used to um, live in Kidderminster today, Neil. It seems like it, yeah. <laughs> um, what it is, it's, whoa, whoa, sorry, what that's the? My, that, what happened, mate? That's not... That, 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 that is quite surreal. He moans that the last few times he's been on, he's been given a very short shift, and then he sets off some sort of smoke alarm down my phone, right in your house, right in your radio. Can we make sure he's all right, genuinely, and I'll also need another call in your own time. Oh three four five six zero six zero nine seven three. If you want to squeeze one in, we've got nothing left. We've only got the monarch and the and the what do deaf people hear when they're reading? Georgia is in Harrow. Georgia, question or answer? Uh, it's the answer to the what deaf people hear. Oh, marvelous! Well done. And deaf people do not hear anything because people who were born deaf are notoriously bad readers oh. because they don't know what the words sound like, so they really literally won't... You might as well be looking at, letter, you know, colours. Because they've got no um, contact. They've got... I mean, no, the, the, I don't know what no the perfect word is, to, the technical term. Exactly. A T-H... A T sounds like T, but yeah. to a deaf person it doesn't sound like anything. It's just two what lines on a piece of paper, and there's another two lines on a piece of paper. How the hell do I know whether they sound a, different from each other or not? When it's uh, when you look at a piece of art and it's all over the place, abstract. Yes. It's effectively you're asking them to understand an abstract concept, uh, con concept which Gosh. is why yeah. it's so important that local organisations and the government bring in British sign language, because it's very difficult for a lot of deaf people that I've met over the years to read subtitles, and that's why there's such a push for them to have be. SL on all the sort of, you know, any, any communication, TV, anything like that, and conferences. Because actually most deaf people, I've been told, I used to get to visit local deaf community club. There's a club in Harrow for deaf oh, yeah. people. And, um, and I was reliably informed there that most deaf people have a reading age of about 11. Gosh. So they, they Except people need... who've become deaf later in life, who, who've yeah, got the context in place. Yeah, people who've always been deaf. And this is why there's such a push that we must have rich sign language in all these things because... In all what, sorry, all, I'm getting on board with your campaign, but in all what things? Well, you know, normally you watch a film, it's got subtitles. Yeah. You watch a TV, oh, it's got sorry, subtitles. sorry, sorry. So subtitles are faffle used no to somebody who was born deaf. They're no good. You need sign language. You might as well just put Chinese characters up on the, the screen for all the good it's going to do someone who... who, who, who 
We can lip read English. Following words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so qualifications? You've kind of hinted at it, but I'd like well, to hear. Was, they asked me, actually, the Paris um, Death Club or Society actually asked me to be their ambassador years ago, even though I have no knowledge of... Why? But because I... Well, just because I was a local person, I was... Bit of a busybody. I, I, I understood... <laughs> well, I understood... I was a bit of a local member of the community, and I understood... I was very understanding, oh, even though I'm hearing... Oh, and well, I think lovely. they warm to me. Round of applause for Georgia. Well, thank you, thank no, that, you. That was lovely. Thank you, Georgia. And I shall take on board what you said about British Sign Language. All right, we've got about a minute, Neil, who used to live in Kidderminster. Where were we? Right, uh, yeah. What was it, by the way? Uh, what was that? That was the smoke. I was vaping directly under the smoke alarm because yeah. it appears to be the only place to get a good signal. You big girl's blouse. You can't yeah. go vaping underneath the smoke alarm. Go on, what have you got for me? Um, right, the monarch technically can be any age, but in the 1930s they passed a Regency Act which formally kind of declared that the next person in line to the, if the monarch was under 18, the next person in line to the throne above the age of 21 became the monarch in Regent, and then they changed that in the 50s to make it the monarch in Regent could be anything over 18. So they are still the monarch, but they don't actually do anything. And the, and the age is 18, it was 21 and they brought it down to 18. Yeah, because I thought it didn't make sense to say that the monarch can be 18, but the region can't. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. Was it? Oh, that's right. I was a bit nervous. Cause... Well, I, didn't, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. I'd rather we hadn't had the smoke alarm. <laughs> yeah. Polluting yeah, proceedings. But generally, generally, that's an absolute textbook answer. Oh, good. That's a beautiful answer. I'm going to give you a round of it. Whereabouts in Kidderminster did you live? Have we had this conversation uh, already? No, no. I lived on George Street, so it was the other side of the main road to the real cinema. Oh, blimey, that's back in the day. Yeah. No, it's still there. Well, it was when I lived there. It was about five, six years ago. Well, they're near the carpet museum? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I got the, I got, got my cinemas confused. I thought you meant the old ABC down there where uh, uh, Jones Furniture used to be, near, Ox, near Oxfam. Uh, yeah. And oh, that, okay. There's that pub down there where they all played, all the greats, Led Zepp, all, all of them. Anyway, I've got to go. Sheila Fogarty says she's not interested in our kid amidst reminiscences. <laughs> Round of applause for Neil, please. Thank you very much. That's it from me for another day. Oh, do it all again tomorrow you morning from like 10. You sound like Hartley Hair. Remember Hartley him? Hartley Hair, I do. Vaguely, yeah. Hickory dickory dog. <laughs> Thank you, Sheila. Thank you very much, James. From three today, um, I've spoken to the former Irish President Mary Robinson on climate change, the stress test that Brexit has proved to be on Anglo-Irish affairs. She had plenty to say, too, on Johnny Mercer's decision to withdraw his support from the Prime Minister over the prosecution of veterans. Hear that interview in full from three. At two, Danny Baker, as you know, has been sacked from the BBC for that chimp picture. He told James just a short while ago on LBC it was a huge mistake. He gets why he's been fired, but he didn't see the harm uh, till it was pointed out to him. Should he be forgiven? Straight up after the news, military people put their lives on the line for us. Should that ever insulate them from investigation and prosecution? <laughs> 